welcome back. Well, it's ironic, don't you think? Those that can offend us so quickly are oftentimes members of the same spiritual body. Pastor George continues now with a discussion of the challenge of loving fellow believers. Here's George. So now let's begin to listen to what the Apostle Paul tells us, what he teaches us, the insight that he gives us into what this loving each other means. The truth is, it's not easy. We have to go out of our way, especially with people who offend or irritate us. Yet Paul says this, But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old evil nature and all its wicked deeds. In its place, you have clothed yourselves with a brand new nature that is continually being renewed as you learn more and more about Christ, who created this new nature within you. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people whom he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And the most important piece of clothing you must wear is love. Love is what binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are all called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the words of Christ in all their richness live in your hearts and make you wise. Use his words to teach and counsel each other. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus, all the while giving thanks through him to God the Father. Could Paul be more clear and straightforward? Yet does our behavior or attitude look anything like this at all? Here's a serious challenge. Make a list of Jesus' commands about love and Paul's and John's examples of what we must do and refrain from doing if we are truly to love each other. Remember, Jesus said, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, if your heart is anything like mine, it struggles and fails to do this. 
but the simple fact that I struggle and fail to love as Jesus has told me to love does not exempt me from his command. Learn to love each other. And so that's how we live with believers. We learn to love each other. We don't allow ourselves to be offended or irritated. We don't make enemies. We don't hurt each other. We love each other. And now what about living with unbelievers? This is an equally great challenge to living with believers. And many of the elements of it are really quite challenging and maybe not obvious. I concluded that it would be a lot easier to be a Christian if it weren't for other Christians like you. Having a relationship with each other is hard. But Jesus doesn't give us a choice in this matter. He commands us to love each other. The fact that it's hard doesn't exempt us from his command. But what about living with unbelievers? And that means people who, for whatever reason, do not consider Jesus as Savior or Lord. There are a lot of Christians in the world, and there are a lot of people who aren't Christians. Some belong to other faiths. Some have no obvious faith. Some have never considered becoming a Christian. Some live in places where doing so would be fatal. And some have considered it and chosen not to. Some regard it as unimportant or irrelevant. Some regard Christians as agents of Satan, and others see them as backwards, superstitious, anti-science, anti-intellectual, and a danger to humanity. Simply put, we seldom enter a relationship with non-Christians where we are given the benefit of the doubt, or where we are looked upon as a gift or blessing. So how are we to live with non-Christians? And what do we have that is of value to say or show to them? First of all, let's consider the crucifixion of Jesus. This is really the hinge point of history for Christians. For us, it is the time and place where our eternal destiny changed, if we accept what Jesus did for us there. The crucifixion of Jesus is looked at by Christians in a variety of ways. We need to understand these because the time will come when we might want to share Jesus and his crucifixion and what it means with an unbeliever. And we need to understand for ourselves the ways in which it is explained by the church and within the church. The first is called the forensic view. An unusual title, I know, but that's the formal terminology for it in theology. The forensic view of the crucifixion is held to by evangelicals, Roman Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, and one way or another by virtually all Christians. And it is that the sacrifice of Jesus appeased God because of his justifiable anger toward us. It was the payment of a just sentence and fine on our behalf by someone else. Christ took the sentence and paid the fine. Another view of the crucifixion is called the metaphorical view, a picture of Jesus on the cross. And that picture is what we do 
to everything God has made. We crucify it. This view also says that Christ's resurrection is similarly a real-life metaphor of the love of God for us in spite of what we have done. So if the crucifixion is a metaphor for the way we treat all of creation, including each other, the resurrection is God's response to what we've done. This view is often espoused by universalists who believe everyone is saved by Jesus regardless of their awareness of it or of their faith in him. Now, I think the metaphorical view is a valid and extraordinary understanding of the crucifixion, regardless of whether universalists also concur with it. It's not an opposition to the forensic view, but rather amplifies our understanding of how extraordinary the event of the crucifixion truly was. Both of these, forensic and metaphorical, are ways of describing the crucifixion and attempting to unveil its meaning. Both fall short. Both point to the fact that something extraordinary happened on that cross on that day with that man, Jesus. Something that transcended mere human action and history. Something that invaded our reality and opened a way into an eternal reality. And every description we use of that extraordinary invasion of our reality falls short. The fundamental and historic understandings and explanations of what happened on the cross are helpful, though they are necessarily limited and finite forms for explaining something unlimited and infinite, and therefore they do not contain the whole truth because humans cannot comprehend the fullness of God's love. In any case, we don't even need to get into the minutiae of crucifixion theology to acknowledge the importance and the meaning of the event. We should be able to step back and simply gaze in wonder and do so in a way that makes the event accessible to people of other faiths or no faith. Here is why that is important. Over the years, other interpretations of the crucifixion have blamed it on the Jews or the Romans or the Jewish religious hierarchy of the time. These simple-minded interpretations are both profoundly wrong and misleading. They miss the point. Whoever the incidental agents of his death were, who was actually responsible for his death? You were. I was. All of us. Every one of us. No exceptions. Not them. Whoever them might be, but us. And with that sobering note, we close today's session. Next time, George will connect the crucifixion with how we are to treat those who don't believe it or don't believe the way we do. Another challenging session on tap, and we hope you'll join us. You can get your own copy of What We Believe and Why at the website of the same name, whatwebelieveandwhy.com. And be sure to join us next time for What We Believe and Why. 